Welcome to Stories Behind the Stars podcast, dedicated to honoring the fallen heroes of World War II. Hi, everyone. Today, we have the opportunity to hear from author Kim Dixon. And Kim, can you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are? Yes, my name is Kim Dixon. Um, I am, uh, I live in West Haven, Utah, and that is in Weber County, uh, Utah. A few years ago, I started researching my dad's Navy career. And as I was going through the newspapers, I was struck by how many, um, how much information was there about the war, which I had never known. I, I didn't know any of that stuff. So I started trying to count the number of soldiers that served from Weber County. I thought that would be a good place to start. So going through the newspaper, I uh, thought there might be a couple thousand, you know, maybe a little bit more. I stopped in 1944 at 6,000 because I was trying to, <laughs> I was gathering all of this information and now I'm finding all of these amazing stories. And so now this project is morphing into more than I had ever anticipated. And so I decided I needed to get it into a book. So the book is basically going through the newspapers of the Ogden Standard Examiner and talking about what was going on at the time. So articles about soldiers, articles about all of the uh, housing issues they were having and the rationing issues they were having. And, and so it's just kind of a, it's kind of like a coffee table book where you just sit down and, and you flip through, through it and you find um, just some amazing thing. I started a blog that I couldn't quite keep up. So I decided that if I ever wanted to get all of the stories of the men who were killed from Weber County, I would have to do a podcast. So that turned into a podcast uh, about nine months ago. And again, it's been a little bit spotty lately. Uh, there's also some other things going on in my life. And so I'm trying to uh, still make time for that. And then I found Dawn on a, a KSL, our local television station, asking for volunteers. And I was like, I have all these stories from Weber County. So I contacted him and we hooked up and he told me about his amazing project. And so I, I told him I would do the Weber County Boys. And so for the last year, I've been trying to complete my second book and get it to publisher, which is the year 1943, which I, I just did. And so then I got really working in December to get those stories on, on um, full three, but it, it's just amazing. I, I feel that our generation has to know these stories, the stories of sacrifice and the stories of, of what went on here in Weber County. And, and uh, it is just fascinating to me. So just keep going and going. So are you a, a professional researcher by trade or is this something that you just? No, it's something that I just kind of stumbled into. I retired in 2011 and I was um, doing a little bit of writing, not, you know, nothing really. And so, uh, yeah, this quickly turned into my, my passion. And so uh, the amazing things that you can find online uh, was just incredible because, you know, you don't think you can find these things and then you find, holy cow, here's this story and here's this story. And what is striking to me, though, is that there are stories out there for a lot of people you can find about their plane crashes and all of this stuff. 
And there are people you can't find anything on. And so it's like, okay, well, why, you know, why is this person? There's nothing on this person. And so it's kind of a mystery. So then, it, you know, then I have to go off into another tunnel to find out what happened here. So, but the stories, every time I start one, I just think that they can't get any better. And every story just turns out to be so much better. <laughs> And I just want them saved for future generations to understand what was happening in World War II and what these men and women gave up. You know, they gave up their youths. They gave up their, um, these guys were joining out of high school and even before. And, you know, they didn't think about it. What's in it for me? They just went. And my, uh, the person that I most admire is my dad. And he served in the Navy. Uh, he had a brother in the Army and a, another brother in the Navy. And I would think about my grandma and how she dealt with, with that. How do you deal with having three sons all over? You don't know where they're at. <clears throat> you don't know how they are. And, and that really struck me as a mom. You know, how, how did she deal with this? And uh, my dad passed away fairly young. I was only 35 when he died. But I was asking him, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry that you had to be born at a time when you had to go to war. You know, my father-in-law was only three years younger and he, he didn't serve. And my dad looked at me and said, Kim, that was the greatest learning experience and privilege of my life. And I never would have changed it for anything. And that's how they all feel. I, there, there are so few of them now, but I've met a few and all of them are very proud and very humble about what they did. And especially in today's world where, you know, we kneel at the national anthem and we, everybody has a, you know, a project or a story. I, I get really annoyed at that because these guys gave up everything, didn't ask for anything, went out and did a job and came back. So those are stories I think are worth saving and worth telling. Yeah. My uncle actually had to get permission to sign up to enlist because he was so young that and uh -huh. he, he wanted to be a pilot. And so he wanted to enlist and not wait till he had graduated. And so he actually had to get permission from um, his dad and uh, his, his mom was so livid when his dad signed the papers because he was, she was not okay with the fact that he was going to war and, and he, he did pass away in the war. And, oh my gosh. and so like, I know for a while in their marriage, it was hard because she held a lot of resentment to him. Right. That he had signed the way the papers to, to, let uh, him. yeah. yeah there, there are a lot of those. In fact, uh, my, my grandma and grandpa had a similar story. My dad's brother was sort of getting into a little bit of trouble. So my grandpa marched him down and signed him up. And my grandma, she was livid, but he did come home. And so I guess all was forgotten. But yeah, I can't imagine the kind of guilt, you know, that would create. Yeah. Uh, so it, could you tell us some of the stories that you found that just really impacted you? <clears throat> One of the first ones that I found that just really bothers me still is his name is John William Lambert. Again, he was 17. His dad signed him up on his 17th birthday and he went into the Navy. Uh, and so he was on Wake Island 
when it was taken over by the Japanese. And, and one thing I didn't realize were all of the attacks the Japanese made on December 7th and December 8th because they were over the international date line. So they attacked many places. And one of those was Wake Island that had very, very few um, service people on there. There was a few Navy, a few Marines, but most of them were actually contractors building a, you know, a, a runway. And they took them over and they held out. They actually, um, the Battle of Wake Island was like the first victory of the war for that little small um, group of soldiers to, to hold out. But when they got took them, they took all of them aboard a ship and um, they took them to Japan. And then they came home and there was no John William Lambert and they didn't know what had happened to him. And so his mom and dad went all over the United States interviewing people, trying to find out what had happened to their son. And the only thing they could get from the soldiers or from the sailors was that he was in, the, in with all of the prisoners and he went up on deck and he was never seen again. So still did not know. Well, after the war, when um, the Japanese war trial, war crimes trial started and the story came out. And so a reporter from the Standard Examiner called Mrs. Lambert to tell her the story. And what had happened was they went down into the, uh, where the prisoners were and asked for anyone interested in aviation. And I mean, John, only 17 and for some reason he raised his hand and went up on deck and finding out later and I found out even more after this but they took the five uh, four, mar four marines and one sailor and decided that they were going to kill them and so they made them kneel in front of all of the crew and then they, they chopped off their heads and his mother found this out on a telephone call with the newspaper. And later, um, they, they were considered the first of the Japanese atrocities of the war. And this poor 17-year-old, and he's, he's just an all-American looking high school boy. And I look at his picture and I'm, oh. And so that was um, one of the first stories that I found that was just, you know, amazing. This little high school kid from Weaver County is now the first atrocity of World War II, so. Wow, that's, I didn't even know any of that had happened. Mm -hmm. that, that they, I know that there had been atrocities, but I thought it was all like, you know, the Bataan death march was when those things started happening, but that early on in the war. Yeah, that was, that was about the first or second week of January. And then we have several that were in the Bataan death march as well. And we have a lot of, we had one who survived and wrote his whole diary, which is um, one of the first podcasts I did. It was four episodes because it was so amazing and, and so long, but uh, we have, we had them. Uh, we had uh, so many, I was trying to think of the last one I did. They crashed in into the, uh, into the jungle and they were walking, trying to walk out and to a town and they walked to this town and they told them that they would help them. And instead they sent for the Japanese and the Japanese came and got them and separated them all. 
And um, only one of them survived. And he found out later that they had marched them off into the jungle and beheaded them as well. So, you know, it's just brutal. It is really brutal. So do you find in your research that it's it's harder to tell the stories of the men that fought in the you the the Pacific theater than it is to tell the yes. European theater? Yeah, we we have uh in fact, there's one that will come home in a prisoner exchange in 1943. <clears throat> Excuse me. He was a pilot and um, he was exchanged for prisoners. He had both of his legs amputated, I think, or one. Sorry. Anyway, when he came home and talked about how, you know, what the atrocities were, and then you compare them to what was going on in the Pacific. You know, I mean, they were stoned by the people. They threw hot coffee on them in Germany. You know, they threatened to shoot them when they, because they were crashing, you know, into cities in Germany, but it's nothing like the atrocities of the Pacific. It, it's just horrific what went on there in the prisoner of war camps, you know, in the Bataan Death March, um, all of those are, you know, just chilling. So uh, one question that has been posed is how do you prepare yourself when you're doing research? for the, the ultimate outcome that you know is, you know, they don't make it home. You know, I, I still struggle with poor Seaman Lambert <laughs> as, you know, as a mother and a grandmother. Um, there are some that stay with you. And, and that's one of the first ones I found that still stays with me. I think about that a lot. Uh, you know, you just have to kind of, the story will go where it will go and you want the story. So you just have to kind of prepare yourself. And usually, and going back, you usually know the outcome because you are, you are researching someone who has died in the war. So you kind of know what's coming, but sometimes when you get the specifics, it's just, um, it's hard. It is hard. So it, as you've been doing your research, you have your own book, two right now you just finished mm -hmm. do you have suggestions for other researchers into how they can archive the information they're finding or how they could go about the process of even publishing well I uh, I self-publish because I you know I looked at Amazon I looked at a lot book baby um, Amazon it was just terribly expensive and self-publishing is, is fairly easy. Um, so I, I went that way. I use the company 48-Hour Books, who are just incredible. And um, they, you, they get your, um, your book and they can get it back to you after printing in 48 hours. But what I, what I found out was a lot of trial and error. So anybody who wants to try this, um, it's just, you know, live and learn. I looked for things online and I, you know, I found some hints, but basically I was just out there trying to, you know, figure it out. And book two went so much more quickly than book one. And I was um, just really uh, learned a lot. My biggest uh, suggestion would be keep a research log because after a while you don't remember what you found where and when I started this, I was printing everything. So I had volumes and volumes and volumes of paper. And actually, Weber State University said, don't throw that away. You know, 
please, you know, keep it. So what I did was I just digitized it as a file because it was every single page of every single soldier that was in the newspaper. So there's, it's kind of a trial and error to find your, your way. Um, now what I do is I start, uh, I start, usually I will start on full three, which has been just an awesome resource for some of this. Um, I have the newspaper clipping that I'm researching. So I'll, I'll research their names, um, find more articles later in, in the years about what they've done. And then you just Google. Find a Grave is a, is a great place. Ancestry is awesome because you can usually find, on Ancestry, you can usually find their draft records. Um, if the killed in action, people will have a card that the, um, that the army completed for them with their death date, what happened. Sometimes there's a lot of information on there. And so those are the main places I go. That usually gives me enough to kind of figure out the story. But there are times when there's books written. I have bought, I have several books that I bought um, about Wake Island and about Guadalcanal because um, they're in the books. So it's kind of a, a yeah. <laughs> I am obsessed. It's an obsession, let me say, to um, hear these stories and then, and then learn more about them. So I know more about World War II than I ever, ever thought I would. <laughs> So do you, in your research pre-COVID, did you utilize a lot of your local libraries or did you like a lot of local places in Weber County or all online? Well, I I take that back. There is, uh, it's called This Place of Remembrance in the Ogden Cemetery, which has all of the um, service people that did not come back. So their bodies were never recovered or and so that is one place where I go. I mean, it's just a, it's a beautiful place up there. I love to go. Cemeteries, I'm always looking in cemeteries for, um, for the graves. And interestingly, um, this, the United States would purchase a headstone. So even though the body didn't come home, you could still buy a headstone. So there are a lot of families that did that. There are a lot of families who uh, just, left them where they were buried in Europe, especially in Europe. And so it, uh, I, I visited Normandy in 2011 because it was before I started this. And I was, I just walked around there. It's so peaceful. It was before I'd even researched one um, soldier, but I just had a connection with it. It's a beautiful place overlooking Normandy beach. And there's just such, such peace there. So you know, even even where their headstones are, you know, you just there's a place for them. They're somewhere, you know. So I I just feel this connection. These are all my I I can't say they're my my sons. I can't say they're my brothers. They're just these people who I have a huge connection with. Uh, we're hoping that when we get the app finished, we can have a group of us go out to Normandy and obviously after COVID and and use the app to, to find the stories that are written about each one of those. Well, and there are several cemeteries. I did not realize how many American cemeteries there are around. There's, there's one in Manila. There's one on several of the islands in the Pacific, which, you know, if I had a goal, it would be to hit every single one of them. But um, it, it, it's just, 
especially in this climate, when you go there and you are in death's presence, it's it's just amazing. And one thing, when we were in Normandy, we were on a cruise and we had a, a guide. There's a German cemetery in Normandy as well. And so we, we went there first and their, their graves are little crosses and they're all done in black, you know, with their names on it. And, you know, it's heartbreaking because you can see these are 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds as well, you know, who probably weren't political at all. And, um, but there's something about the American cemetery that really draws you the peace that's there and the, the spirit that's there. They have done a really good job. So do you have another story you want to share with us that comes to mind? His name is H. A. McFarland, and just the most accomplished man that you could even think of. I mean, you wonder what their lives would have been if they would have been able to, um, you know, to fulfill what they were doing. But um, he's on a ship and they are going into Greenland. He writes his parents the day before the ship is sunk and tells them that he has a calling and he's so excited for it because it will mean that he's finally doing something during the war. And so um, he said he was on an unusual assignment and he was very intrigued for at last I feel like I am doing something good for someone. Well, he is on a ship that is going to be sunk and it's going to be sunk off of, of Greenland. And this ship is famous because there were what who were called the four chaplains. So the four chaplains were on the ship and what they did was um, they didn't have enough life jackets. They didn't have enough. Uh, it was in the middle of the night and soldiers were just walking around, not, you know, not knowing what to do. And each of these four chaplains, a different denomination, took off their life jackets, gave them to somebody else. And, and then they held hands and, and sang hymns as they sunk. And so there's actually a postage stamp about this, sh this ship because it was such a, uh, a huge thing for them. But what's interesting about this is he's on the East Coast. So his parents are going, you know, there's people in Germany and there's people in the Pacific, but his parents are going to get a letter in 1943 that their son has been killed. They won't tell him where, but they know he is on the East Coast. So he was killed in action on the East Coast. <laughs> so I don't know when they finally found out what had happened, but that had to be somewhat confusing for them because there was really no battles on the East Coast. So if someone wanted to find out more about what you've done, is there a place that they could go to listen to your podcast or? Oh, yes. My, um, my Facebook page is Weber County's Greatest Generation. And that's where I put all of my podcasts. They are free to ask any questions or email. I would be glad to share any, any knowledge of what I've learned the hard way. I really appreciate you taking the time this evening to share with what you've done. Oh, thank you. I, this has been awesome. You know, I, I, I can never shut up about it. You know, anybody asks me a question and I'm there and they're trying to get away and I'm still talking. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we can have you back on the podcast and maybe share some snippets from each one of your books or, or something like that. And I'll definitely put a link in the description of the podcast to uh, your Facebook page and so Perfect. people can find you there anybody who, who needs to ask me a question i'm there just i'll feel free to ask me anything okay thank you so much for your time thank you thank you for listening if you're at all interested in volunteering or just want to learn more about 
our amazing project, please visit us at www.storiesbehindthestars.org.